Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. Oh, good evening, everybody. Good evening, it's you, Hannah. Lovely to hear your voice and thank you for the intro this evening. It is Tuesday, I believe. It is The Late Show. You are with me, Lucy Newberger. I can see Tom Rogers is here, ready to go. I can also see Martin Saunders, who is one of the lovely people we are talking to this evening, is ready and raring to go. Um, His colleague, Rob, and co-founder, actually, as well, should be with us momentarily. But while we're waiting for you to all join in, uh, you know I love an intro, you know I love to kind of update you on the on the goings-on in my own little mad corner of the education world. I can see Rob's here, lovely, let's get him in and on board. Um, just a couple of things, so I don't want to take up your time too much this evening with anything that's not spelling related. But... Um, I'm just currently sipping a lovely cup of tea and uh, this tea, if you have not uh, got hold of it, you need to. And I'm going to sound terribly kind of la-di-da, but this is uh, not just any tea. This is Marks and Spencer's shortbread flavoured tea, which I know is, and someone told me this the other day, uh, that it's, I think it was actually um, one of my Twitter colleagues, uh, Briley said to me, no, 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 Lucy, that is um, a very much a ripoff of um, Yorkshire's biscuit tea, which apparently is fabulous. I've not tried Yorkshire's biscuit tea, but I'm going to get hold of some or I'm going to get somebody somewhere to send it to me because, as you know, I am uh, based in Lisbon, not in the UK. So um, I tend to um, send shopping lists home and then my mum, usually bless her, dutifully brings out my Earl Grey because I am mentally 85. Um, and other such things. I also discovered recently that there are chocolate orange Cadbury mini eggs. So those are on my shopping list. And if you've tried them, let me know, because apparently they are absolutely phenomenal. I can see Hannah is hearting uh, already. So she's obviously had some. So um, if you have tried those, do let me know, because and honestly, anything chocolate orange. And you'll know from my rants around Christmas time that the things that make me happy at Christmas time being the Grinch that I am, are chocolate oranges and being able to sulk in the corner until it's all over. Um, the other thing I want to tell you before we move on to, to, to spelling this evening is that I played a game with my year fours today. And if you are a primary teacher or indeed anybody, or if you need an uh, icebreaker, actually, I don't think you'd ever get teachers to play this, but play it with kids of any age because it's hilarious. You split them into teams. And I did this today in the howling wind outside um, with teams of about, I think there were five per team. And you get them to make themselves into different things. So, for example, at one point I did um, spaghetti and meatballs. So they had to turn themselves into spaghetti and meatballs. And just watching them try and turn themselves into these things is honestly the most entertainment you will ever have. So if you just kind of need to, you know, get out, get outside or just kind of need a break, get them to do this. Um, I did a, a boat with a captain. I made them turn themselves into animals. And honestly, I wish I could share the photos with you of this because it is, it is comedy gold. Highly recommend. Anywho, that's that. We're going we're gonna to move on to actually what we're here for this evening, which is to talk to uh, the lovely Rob and the lovely Martin from Spelling Shed and to talk about how to teach spelling effectively. Now, from the banter that was going on amongst the Teachers Talk Radio execs, um, spelling is, a, is an interesting subject for many of us. Those of you who've listened to me with any regularity will know that I... Um, often have uh, chats and conversations about the teaching of grammar, the teaching of spelling, and, you know, 
how I feel about that. So I'm very interested to, to chat to, to Rob and Martin this evening because I think they'll have um, a lot to say and many helpful things uh, to, to talk to us about. So without further ado, I'm going to bring them both on because I can see that they're both here and raring to go. Um, I don't know who would like to unmute and introduce themselves first. Maybe we'll go for Rob first and Martin second. So if you could both uh, unmute yourselves and introduce yourselves to the assembled listeners this evening. Hello, uh, this Hi, is Rob, Rob speaking. <laughs> Hi, okay. Um, Apologise, I'm a little bunged up. Uh, my nose is blocked from uh, spending a week in the skiing trip last week. So um, don't want to make you jealous that I was skiing, but I've got a cold <laughs> following um, spending a week in the cold snap. So uh, bear with me. Um, yeah, so I'm Rob, uh, co-founder of Spelling Shed, along with uh, Martin. And I think we've been, uh, I think we've been going seven years now martin will be able to uh, uh pick me up on that if i'm wrong um people might know me better as the founder of literacy shed which has been going since 2013 and i normally talk about all things to do with film and writing uh, but tonight i think we're going to talk about spelling um, and so outside of my comfort zone slightly i'm sure you'll do absolutely fine and martin over to you uh, a brief introduction yeah, hi, I'm, uh, I'm Martin. Um, I, as Rob said, I'm co-founder at, uh, at Edshed, um, Spelling Shed, as we were. It was, Rob, you're right, it's, uh, it's coming on seven years. Um, I, uh, yeah, I don't have a karmic cold, unlike Rob. Um, I, um, <laughs> I, I'm, I was just saying to my wife, there's a, there's a thing of, you know, we, we run a spelling product, we must be great at spelling. And, it's it's almost the opposite it sort of partly exists because you recognize the challenge and um you know it, it came from um an idea of something we thought that would that would be helpful that's gone absolutely bonkers really so um it's been an interesting few years but you know hopefully some interesting and useful stuff we can share um what we're talking tonight oh definitely and something that um i want to come back to later on is um because obviously Spelling Shed, for those of you who don't know, is actually global. It's You can use it all across the world. And uh, I, as an international teacher, was talking to my colleagues about Spelling Shed and Literacy Shed earlier today. And they're like, oh, yeah, I've used that. I know about that. So the international side I want to come back to, just mainly because of my own my own interest, but also I, I can see that Mr. Green, who's also an international teacher, is in, in this evening. I don't know if anyone else is an international teacher. So that will be um, a point to come back to. But what I kind of want to start with is... Why spelling and why is it so important to teach this effectively? Because there are many arms to this and certainly in the world we're living in today, where, of course, there are a lot more, um, there's a lot more work happening on computers. There's a lot more uh, sort of spell check and things like that available. Why, to the both of you, is it still important that we teachers from DOT, I suppose, all the way up, is it important to be teaching spelling effectively? Oh, wow, that's a, a wide question. We, uh, I think, we judged on spelling immediately. You know, we judged in a job interview on spelling. We judged on Facebook in spelling. Um, people judge menus on spelling. Um, if, if you send an, if you send a complaint and you say, "You need to do something about it," and you say, and you spell "use" U-S-E and you spell "summit" S-U-M-M-A-T, then uh, I think. Some people are going to take it a little less seriously than if you'd spelled it correctly. Um, but, yeah, it's important, I feel, because 
to be able to spell, uh, to encode and, and write words down is important, and also to be able to spell uh, and decode and read words is important, especially for young children, because that's the nub of everything we do in school. So if children get frustrated with either writing or reading because they can't spell very well, they can't encode or decode very well, they're going to get a poor relationship with reading or writing, they're going to do less of it, and then they're going to get worse at it, and then they're going to become more frustrated with it and become less worse uh, at it. So spelling is that first bit of reading with phonics right early on when we start reading and decoding with children. Um, that is really important for us to access the rest of the national curriculum, I think. The other thing which, you know, when you say something and uh, you sort of, it comes from nowhere or anything like that, it actually sounds quite good. I sort of throwaway comment I made at a, an expo trying to sell stuff. Was, uh, spelling is it's kind of the measurable outcome of what happens when kids understand words. And that goes far further than just being able to spell. Obviously, it is important, as Rob says, but, you know, there's so much of um, of primary school, certainly, that's, you know, English is reading and writing, and it does feed into everything. But, I mean, we teach um, phonics, understanding letters and sounds. We teach sentences. You know, there's a, there's a thing in the middle that it's really important that you understand actually how words work. And when you do that, actually, you can spell. Um, it's just that that's what you measure. So I think as well as being able to spell being important in, in itself, I think it is important to give children the the building blocks that they need that have that kind of small step that enables them to do whatever the next thing is, you know. I know, absolutely. Now, um, I'm going to drop myself in it a bit here. I'm someone who, um, and regular listeners me will know this, who bangs on, waxes lyrical about how I find um sort of standalone grammar or standalone spelling teaching absolutely bloody dire if I'm honest um and the idea of kind of doing a grammar lesson or a spelling lesson is just not my favorite thing I don't kind of know really where to begin in terms of selling that to my to my pupils and I'm sure I'm not alone here so I suppose my my sort of next thing here is to kind of sort of say to you you know some teachers kind of had challenges with this and you know have you have you experienced this is this kind of something that, that you've noticed um at all or am I kind of just just dropping myself in it here just just shaming myself I I agree 100 percent and I used to say to this to my children as well when I was I, was, I taught for about 12 years primary school upper primary basically was to say but we need to do it we need to be able to learn how to spell. And sometimes it's it's better just to remove it from your history lesson or your le English lesson and just do it separate for 20 minutes, three times a week or for half an hour, twice a week. Um, it doesn't have to be an hour of spelling, but I make it interesting. You know, um, I'm going to talk about etymology later, but our lessons at Spelling Shed include etymology. And uh, one of the things my little boy is eight, uh, Monty, he really is interested in etymology. Um, I'm not just making it up. That, <laughs> that's true. And one, one, one that he, he likes is that um, uh, disaster and asteroid come from the same root word. So astrum, uh, meaning of the stars. So um, astrum is the word for star, and this is bad. So disaster means bad things happening underneath the stars, disaster. <laughs> and then asteroid means stars. Um, and oids means form, so the form of the stars. 
And then things like asterisk, that means little star. And if you teach children that aster means star, that asterisk is a star and asteroid and disaster, aster spelt the same way in all three of those words. You've not got to learn three different words though. You just have to learn one part of a word, aster, as in asteroid, and you can spell all those words. Mm. Um, and I think kids that are eight, nine and 10 and 11 find those things interesting. Absolutely, I think they do. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of things I want to pick up on there that you said. And of course, Martin, jump in at, at any point here. The the idea that, you know, etymology, kind of the origins of words and things like that is fascinating. But that's also cross-curricular, because I know you mentioned sort of, um, I think, did you say something about history or, you know, kind of, because uh, yeah. words come up in topics all the time or in science or even in maths, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. And so etymology and all of that can kind of feed into whatever you are doing you know and the understanding of all these words and where they come from so you're not just ever really just talking about spelling as a standalone thing as I have mentioned it's this is something that encompasses everything that we do as teachers oh indeed you would I would bring it in all the time you know if you're teaching about the Romans uh bringing some Latin at words you know the word sound comes from sona and sonus which is uh, a Roman word, and then you've got Sony, what Sony Walkman? That's the mm. Latin for Latin for sound. So you, just you're showing your the... age there, Rob. Oh, well, but <laughs> I could have said disc, but I got that mini disc. <laughs> I'm a child of the '90s. I'm right there with you. Um, but all these things do link together. But you, I think what we can't do is rely on them, ha them happening. You can't just say. There's a word in the Romans bit there we can talk about, or this, this word in geography that we can talk about. I think you do need to have sort of a when and a when and where to teach these words, especially further down for the emergent readers. I think that's where the phonics bit comes in, um, which is which is like you know the foundation of everything. Um, and then moving on through through school, I, I would I would teach spelling, you know, all all the time alongside everything else. I think part of the the craft of teaching. I mean, you, you, you talked about um, kind of having standalone lessons, and I think there is a, you know, there's a, a key sort of part of that decision making about, you know, what do you do discreetly and what do you do kind of blended in? I mean, and, you know, giving things, I, mean, I think learning is most effective when it's about making connections. And so when you have something in context, um, it, it really helps it stick. But equally, if there's something they just need to know, just tell them. You know, and there's nothing wrong with saying, right, we're just going to do a short, concise, you know, high intensity, short burst of a very specific thing in a structured way, just like we do with phonics. You know, it's that short, sharp daily thing that gives you a cumulative benefit that sometimes that's the right thing to do. But equally, when it gets dragged out and it becomes kind of kids just become disconnected from it, then actually maybe it's not the right thing. But that's that sort of teacher judgment, isn't it? And it's interesting, actually, that you mentioned, because I suppose, I mean, it's very true in the sort of um, reception year one, year two, uh, children go from having that kind of daily, very, you know, very intensive, very short, sharp burst phonics, uh, all those phonics lessons, which, um, you know, prove to be a lot of the time very, very successful. And then it just kind of when you get into sort of lower key stage two, aside from those who maybe are having phonics interventions and things like that, it's sort of for the most part, or certainly in the schools I've worked in, anything kind of approaching that kind of dies a bit of a death. And that seems really strange. Which is why we have built it into our spelling programme. I know other spelling programmes do it as well now. Because we just felt that, like, you know, we teach, teachers struggle when it comes to spelling. A, with time, because the curriculum is packed full of things that 
not necessarily to be in there. And if anyone was on a primary box chat last night, which I uh, hosted, um, we were talking about what would you get out with about the curriculum to free up the curriculum. And there's lots of things that people said, I would do less of this or I'd do less of that. And and I think allowing teachers the time to, to, include, to put spelling in there is really important, but also the curriculum guidance that we get as teachers, the national curriculum, it's very broad, you know, it just says things like year three, year three and four teach suffixes, but when and which order? Um, um, and it says the I sound spelt with a Y is in myth. Well, do you teach that before you've taught suffixes or after? It doesn't really tell you. So our programme and other spelling programmes and help you make those decisions. Do I speak, do I teach a suffix ay before I teach a suffix ir, for example. Which suffixes should I teach, and which ones are not really important? So I think it's I think it is really important that we that you have a a scheme that takes you through those things that are the building blocks of both reading and writing that I don't think you can leave up to chance very often. No, and I think that's I think that's important. And sort of we're kind of talking here about sort of building. Um, building up students learning in terms of spelling, in terms of phonics, in terms of all these things. If you were going to, and this is, I suppose, a broad question and trying to get you to be succinct at the same time, um, when it comes to sort of successful spellers, I mean, I suppose we'll talk about spellers in this context, what do you think are the the essential skills that, that, that pupils need? And when do you think we should be starting? Is it right from EYFS? For example, upwards, or maybe do we need to start a little bit later? What do you think is the sort of, in the broadest sense, the timeline here? Uh, EYFS year one and year two need to know letter sound correspondences, basically. So by the end of year two, they should know that those little squiggles represent sounds, and the two little squiggles together represents churn, S and T together represents this sound, um, and that those sounds can change so that. The A in a word like cat is an A, but it could be A in play or in paint when it's joined together with A and Y. That's what I would teach until midway through year two, the first three years. And then once you're in year three, four, five and six, then start teaching about morphemes, you know, uh, affixes, root words, suffixes, prefixes, because they're really important. Because, you know, you can teach children to remember a thousand words by sight, maybe two thousand words by sight. But if they're working, um, if they're working memories, thirty thousand, forty thousand, two hundred thousand words, they can't remember all those and how to spell them. And I think we need to be, we need to be uh, teach them how to put those parts of words together, and that's what we're doing in year three, four, five, and six. I think a bit of a, it's almost not quite a misconception, but I think. Um, Thinking of spelling and phonics as being discrete, separate things, I think, is a bit of uh, a bit of a mistake. And I think if you uh, look at you know year one, year two, the sort of phonics that they're doing, where they're looking at you know uh, o or al for snow or cow with an o w, that's that's spelling. That's making a, a choice of what is the correct grapheme um, to use for this sound in this word. That's the beginning of spelling, you know. And year one, year two, um, spelling is one hundred percent phonics based. Um, to a point year two is where you know the sort of morphology stuff starts to come in and that's all you're really doing it's a progression of phonics and then you're adding in another factor of morphology um, adding in some other sort of choice rules you've already got um, common exception words high frequency words uh, homophones all that sort of stuff so it you know it, it goes right the way through from 
you know, using sounds even right down in kind of nursery level, you're just adding sophistication as you go. But there isn't really a single clear. I mean, if there's a transition, I suppose it's in year two, but it isn't really a sharp and hard sort of break point. It just you just start to introduce a bit more kind of complexity to the rules, you know. Oh, absolutely. And <clears throat> excuse me, losing my voice already. I mean, I suppose what I want to kind of do now is you again, you both of you have sort of talked about that journey and how it morphs. How does Spelling Shed specifically support this? Because I've, I've had a look through the website. I've had a tinker around and it's very clear to me that you can see the progression through the stages. You can kind of see um, it's all very sort of clearly laid out for you. And there's uh, sort of a lot a lot going on, but I think you can explain this obviously far better than I can. But I just want to kind of understand sort of how you're linking the timeline that you've just described to me and how that fits into what's on the spelling shed curriculum, if you like. Okay, so nuts and bolts, I suppose to start with, you've got our, our schema work slash curriculum, depending what country you're in and what you call it. Um, that, that gives you the progression, the, um, the, you know, the weekly objectives, and that's where we've done the work to break down well actually what do you need to learn what order makes sense what uh, which are the, the the best words to use as practice for that uh, the planning that includes uh, etymology at an appropriate level and at an appropriate quantity because you know some of it does get quite in depth some of it is more useful than others um, the asta example is a great one there's some stuff in there which you, you know certainly for younger children you know you sort of selectively don't have so we've kind of done that uh, that thinking to develop a you know a, a program which is all you know the teaching um, methods are all research based so we don't have things like word coffins and um, memorization look cover right check which is nonsense and doesn't work for anybody and all that sort of stuff that <laughs> we've that we've got rid of waiting, I was waiting word searches for, for one of you to to to, to bring it up um, rainbow and... words. <laughs> Yeah, the dreaded spelling test. I mean, the uh, I certainly have had to fight my corner yeah. on that um, a number of times. And then it took me, I think, actually sending explicit research where it's like, this yeah. does not work. Yeah, what's it? I mean, I think a lot of a lot of spelling, like the the old, you know, traditional um, impression of what you think spelling, uh, teaching spelling looks like. It, it, what tends to happen is kids get given 10 words. They don't know why. They go home, they do come back, they do a test and they fail. They're told to learn them. They don't know how. And, and everyone starts all over again. And it doesn't really achieve anything. The difference, um, whether you use our teaching content or not, really, is what we're saying and what research says is that you should you should teach a skill set. You are teaching children to to look at the, you know, the, the sort of substructure inside words. And what we've done is try to follow, obviously, the, the curriculum, but, um, you know, make some sense of it and, and make teachers life easy by having a thing that you can pick up and teach. And, a, and a, a resource that the you know the children can just have in front of them to fill in the boxes instead of having to get a ruler out and all that sort of nonsense laying laying things out in a in a book. Um, so we just try to make it easy and clear and straightforward, but layer up that knowledge. Um, the other side of spelling shed is obviously the tech, um, and you know a lot of that is about uh, practice because no matter how sophisticated you are. Um, you still have to practice things. You know, pra um, when you learn something, your brain physically rewires. That takes effort, and the effort comes in the form of practice. You know, if you want to be good at something, you do it until you can do it fluently. You know, and that's where um, going and learning words to, to until you can just about pass a test isn't really enough. Doing it so because you want to get the highest score and you're trying to play it and it's enjoyable, you get more. You fundamentally do it more, so you get more practice, so you embed it further. Also, it's you know, it's motivating. Um, 
kids enjoy it. Uh, I my, my favorite thing about my job is when kids say that spelling shed is better than Fortnite and that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> high so, praise indeed. Exactly. High and it and and I mean, there's loads of stories that we've had that really they're really humbling. You know, like kids who uh, you know have sort of all sorts of backgrounds that absolutely love our products and have and have and are proud of the their progress because they've used our products and it you know it enables them to you know to do a thing partly because you know it's it's an obvious correlation and you think that the children who generally do worst on a spelling test are the ones who practice the least and that's obvious but it's the ones who expect to fail so they just don't bother and they don't practice and it just becomes a vicious circle and I think that's sort of something that we almost accidentally got right is we sort of made the get the uh the you know the game was the first part of uh, of our product really and, and we made it so you you always succeed you just succeed with more or less help and I think that enables children to just keep on going and just have another go and another go until actually you can actually do it you know um and and, and so it's sort of it, it it joins the dots up for them and it gives them a reason and a context so it's not just oh we're just sitting doing this boring thing it's a thing that in in a you know in a child's sort of viewpoint has currency and has uh, and has value um and just sort of makes it a a focal point of a thing that matters from a school point of view um and obviously you know the other side you mentioned um mentioned the word test and i've mentioned tests and I mean, whether you choose to do tests or not, I mean, we made, we've got a thing called a Hive game, which is like a bit like Kahoot as a sort of similar experience. So it's live multiplayer. If you've got enough devices, it's fun. And hey, you get the same data as a test. Um, but actually, if you don't do that and you don't want to do a test, um, you, you know, if the children have played the game, you can see who can spell which words. So you can make a, a judgment and the system will say, you know, these, these children have got this level of um, sort of skill on these words. So actually, do you need, you know, if what you need um, to, to, to know is that they've learned stuff, if you've got that, do you really need to, you know, submit kids to a test if it's a sort of a negative experience? You know, what matters is that you, you've been able to do your assessment and, and you know, you free up 20 minutes to do something else, re- do some more reading or do some art or, or whatever else, you know. Oh, that's that's brilliant. And I think that it's, uh, you know, I want to, uh, to come back a little bit more to sort of gamification a little bit later on. I'm hoping we're going to have we're going to have time because, uh, again, there's there's some thoughts on that that uh, I'd like to, to, well, to ask you about. But, of course, we're very much talking about spelling, but that links to and we've already mentioned this so many other things. Um, and uh, I'm going to put a question to you in a moment about um, sort of how that all links to reading and to developing key literacy skills but I also want to ask the question because I get asked by so many parents and I just want to know your thoughts on it um does reading improve spelling which is kind of a a weird question but I'm gonna let you just think about it for a moment because I just want to remind listeners that speaking of reading and all all such things we still have um our John Cat discount available for you so um we've got a discount which is JCTTR2324 and that still gives you still even now gives you 20% off all the books in the John Cat catalogue so if you are looking for uh some CPD, some things that you all want to read to improve any area of education that you would like to read about, go and have a browse on the John Cat website and you can put that discount to good use. So hopefully I've given enough of a moment there for Martin and Rob to consider uh, my question. If you need a refresher, I'll try and remember what I just said. But if not, I can let one of you jump in as soon as you are ready. Uh, <laughs> so 
the simple answer, I think, is is yes, because in the teacher of spelling, uh, it's as I said, it's not just that isolated. You spell cat C A T. If you can spell cat C A T, then you know what a cat is. It's a small furry animal, and you and you make those links together. So making that link between spelling and vocabulary knowledge is also aids um, comprehension, uh, aids fluency. Um, if children have a working oral vocabulary, it's much higher than their reading vocabulary. So if you come across the word um, owl, most you know, four or five year olds will know what an owl is, but they might not be able to spell it. But once you teach children how to spell the word owl, they'll be able to read the word owl. And when they come to that word in their text, uh, in their reading book, they'll be able to uh, read the word owl as well. And I think going back to morphology, if you're teaching morphology, you've not got to teach all the separate words. You know, if you think about the word happy and then think about all the suffixes and prefixes you can add to that. So you've got happiness and happily and unhappy and unhappiness and unhappily. Rather than teaching six words, you're just teaching one word, but also teaching the meaning un means not and uh, I-L-Y or L-Y means it's an action. So happily is the way she's doing something. Um, so unhappily means she's not doing it in a happy way. That, that helps with comprehension. So when children read uh, the girl sat in the corner unhappily, then you start to get, uh, they can start to deduce characters' feelings and, uh, and et cetera, et cetera. So just by looking at morphology such as ED, you know, it's something's in the past. So she, she, you know, she walked to school, she, she's already done it in the morning. Or, so you can just, by looking at the different spellings, it also gives you meanings of words, which aids comprehension. Fabulous. Um, so, sorry, I've completely lost my train of thought. I was listening very intently then, so I've now completely forgotten where I was going to go with the next next part. I suppose where I want to go is, I mean, ultimately, Spelling Shed is, um, as much as it's to do with spelling, of course, it's linked to uh, the other um, Ed Shed apps and things like that. But the tech side of this, now, we know and we are very, very acutely aware that tech is evolving, AI is now in the mix as part of um, our world today, and that's ever-changing. What does that mean in terms of spelling? Because, and I think we touched on this already, where we sort of said, you know, there are there are ways and means of using every kind of spell check under the sun. You know, you actually, you know, I, I very much find myself relying on predictive text. And again, I know I'm not the only one. I'm really trying not to just drop myself in it this evening. Um, uh, as I said, uh, we on the uh, Teachers Talk Radio Exec were uh, talking about the shortening of words earlier, people uh, to PPL, Tom Rogers, looking at you. Um, he, knew, he, knew, he knew I was going to drop him in it this evening, um, and I'm sure he's going to tell me off for that. But what do you think this means, and do you think there's still going to be uh, value for something like Spelling Shed with all this advancement happening every single day? Yeah, if I could just jump in, Martin, I think <laughs> until we ask children to use a computer all day every day, then they'll have to spell. Because um, my children in school handwrite nearly all day. Um, I sit in my office, I've got a big desk full of notes here that are handwritten um, on a remarkable tablet. I don't know if anyone has got one of those yet, but um, I use a, um, a, a pen to write on a tablet. And then I type them out. So I've got typed notes in front of me. And it's quite interesting that Martin added some notes before. And I've just, I've just edited it because he spelled Jeopardy wrong. And that's typed out. So <laughs> the spell checker didn't check that, did it? So, um, and I just think 
if we're asking all the time, you know, how do you spell touch? How do you spell how do you spell uh, technology? Then it's not. It's going to be very very slow. And again, spell check doesn't pick up if you're spelling some something s u double m a t. Spell check's not going to check. Not not going to help you with that word. I don't think um, unless it becomes a bit more uh, sophisticated. So I think it is needed. Um, it's useful, but if you want to produce proficient, fluent writers and not writers who have to ask a lecture every other word, how do you spell this? Then I think, yeah, it's really important that we carry on teaching spelling. I mean, my yeah, my background's very much tech, really, um, or a certain portion of it. I've done all sorts of daft things, but, um, <laughs> you know, more, I was tech before I was education, I suppose. And what um, I think the thing with, te- with all technology, really, is it's a tool and you need to know the job you're trying to do before you use a tool. You know, if you give, um, I know my wife used to uh, work in forest school. And so she's there with saws and pieces of wood with four-year-olds and, you know, and and they make some great stuff, but they're obviously not going to make like some amazing Wedgwood cabinet or something because they don't, and they don't have the knowledge of that. They have the tool and they could do something with it. And I think that's the same thing with spelling. You kind of need to know, I mean, homophones particularly, you know, you can write um, something which, um each word is spelled correctly in a sense but actually not for that context and even with the grammar chat i mean um you, you know you get the little blue line don't you but it's not always right and you know how you choose to use language to communicate is you know quite subjective and personal and um you know having that sophistication of understanding is important when you choose to being to be able to choose to ignore what it's suggesting you might want to say when it's not quite right is important, I think, if you want to do it to a high standard. Yes, and I often find I'm fighting um, my um, correction software, my chosen correction software, uh, because I don't enjoy an Oxford comma. And my particular, I might be to do with the settings on my um, particular chosen brand of corrective, corrective, that sounds awful, corrective software. <laughs> but um yeah, it, it tries to fight me on it because I don't enjoy uh, an Oxford comma. I don't always, I don't uh, um, choose choose that option. I tend to, to leave it out. And I'm sure there are people on here, we could debate the use of the Oxford comma, but that is not what we're here for. Um, and uh, as you know, it's one of many things that I like to wax lyrical about, but maybe another time <laughs> for that one. So we're sort of, we're, I suppose spelling, much like a lot of these things, much like handwriting as well, these are disciplines if you like um and uh ways of thinking and ways of you know using our minds using our skills that do really have the potential to be to disappear but as as rob's just we're not we're not there yet i mean i certainly my um in my english lessons children are writing every day granted it's not pages and pages you know we're not doing a thesis or anything like that but they're still handwriting every day and uh I still think that that's important. I'm not saying it has to be beautiful cursive because I do not write in cursive. That's another another aspect, another thing that uh, another hill that I regularly try and die on. But as long as it's legible, I'm all right with that. But I still think it's a skill that they do need to practice. But I'm not having them sit there, you know, like I like I did in primary school, um, doing kind of pages and pages of it. I'm just kind of making sure that it is readable and that they're still able to to utilize that skill so i think it's it's interesting but do you think that there will come a point where uh spelling is not important or the teaching of spelling is not as important because it's just going to be done for us or do you think that we've still got a way to go before we before we end up in that uh 
not? I think you'll always need to know, uh, you know, the, the you know, it's understanding words is the, uh, is the kind of, you know, the big picture. Uh, and as I say, you know, I said a while ago, the, the thing that I sort of come to think that this, just because you measure spelling as a, is it, you know, is it, it's a binary, is it right or is it wrong? Okay. But actually there's a lot more to it than that. And I think if you want, you know, any, any language to be able to, uh, to do language, you need to understand the, 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 you know, the subcomponents, how the grammar works, how the, how the words work. Um, and that is just spelling essentially. I think some, I think a lot of the time we just, we say spelling is you writing the words down, you know, you writing once upon a time, but actually you need to be able to spell to read once upon a time as well. And I don't think it's ever going to get to a point when we go, we don't need to read anymore because everything can be read to us. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I know there are more, more and more talking books and more and more you can press a button and your computer will tell you something. But I just feel like it's a, it's thousands of years away before anybody goes, let's just stop reading. There's there's research, which I can't remember who, who did, but Amelia, our, our head trainer, um, has a great reference list. And there's, but there's there's one which says, um, there's the spelling of process, the, the, when you spell a word in your mind, the process in your brain is called orthographic mapping. And actually, it's the same part of the brain that does the exact opposite process when you read. And so, you know, it's a, it's, it's a constructing understanding of the words is a, is a part of comprehension. And I don't think you can get away from that. Oh, we're getting, we're getting geeky here. I love this. When we get, <laughs> I know I love a research rabbit hole. I so much so that it's actually in my, uh, my Twitter bio. So you, you, you want to get geeky, you want to get into the nitty gritty, please do, because I love this. This is the kind of stuff I absolutely live for. And I think that's really interesting as well. And I, I just, I really, and I think the thing I'm struggling with as a teacher at the moment is, and again, this is going to sound awful, but kind of the, the, the dumbing down of things or the idea that things are being dumbed down. And I suppose what I worry about is that they're just going to be parts of our brains and maybe I'm catastrophizing, but they're parts of our brains that are just going to sort of end up kind of dying off because we're, we're not using them. And I suppose in a way, as teachers, we have a responsibility to kind of say, you know, we're not kind of keeping these skills alive and doing this as a sort of punishment or as something old fashioned, but actually there's almost more to it, uh, as we've talked about already this evening, than just the sort of the fundamentals of spelling. This is, uh, you know, teach, you know, lighting up all kinds of parts of our brains as well. And certainly, um, as we mentioned earlier, the idea of using games and things like that, it's, it's sparking different, different parts at all times. And that's also really, really important as well. Oh yeah. And I think that's, I think that's why, it annoys me slightly, well, it annoys me quite a lot that primary school spelling in the, in the UK is often boiled down to a 20, a 20 mark uh, spelling test in the, in the SATs and, and, ah, sorry. And, and, and three marks in, in the writing or whatever it is uh, since I last did some moderation. So it's much more than that. Spelling is is that building block of reading and writing that, we, that everybody needs to be able to read and write, yet we boil it all down to a test in year six. And that that is uh, horrifying. I mean, I've never actually taught in year six, but I, um, I've, I've certainly taught in year five. And just, again, it's, we've, we've touched on this as well, where the idea of doing something completely out of context or even testing on something that's completely out of context is so absolutely ridiculous and arbitrary and 
has been proven countless times to be ineffective. So why we're still plugging away with this, I mean, mostly because we have to, but why this is still a thing is absolutely baffling to me, and I'm sure to, to you as teachers as well. We get asked quite a lot, can we have all the words that are in the national curriculum for year three and four, or can we have all the words that are in the national curriculum for five and six on one test so we can just repeatedly test the children on them? And you're like, well... We're trying to teach the children how to spell. You know, we're trying to teach them how to spell any words and all the words, and you're just trying to get us to condense that down into 30 or 40 words. And it, it's just really bad. My driving instructor, I, was, I passed my test a third time, and the second time I failed my test, I went somewhere I'd never been before in the car. And I drove around and I failed my test. And I said to the driving instructor, why have I never been down the test route? because there's three test routes in, where I'm from in witness. Why have I never been down a test route? He said, Rob, I'm teaching you to drive anywhere. And I think that's what, that's what we're trying to achieve with, with, with spelling. We're trying to get children to be able to spell anything. And sometimes we're fighting against teachers that want them to be able to spell an exact list of 50 words sometimes. It's trying to get teachers to understand that if you follow these processes, if you teach it for an hour a week or 20 minutes a day or 10 minutes a day, and you embed it and find those golden threads through all the other subjects, if you're teaching Romans or geography or Latin, mm. that you'll be able to spell any word. And if but you I give think... it time... Yeah, go ahead. I think, t sorry, I think time is really important as well. We haven't got time to do it. You know, when we teach phonics, and, and we're, a, we're a phonics scheme as well, and we're guilty of it, they learn a sound a day for a week, and the next week they learn five new sounds, and the week after that they learn five new sounds. And then at the end of it, the teacher says, oh, this child just can't do phonics. It's because they like to learn a new sound every day, but they need to learn a sound every three days, and they need to learn a sound every 10 days. And we just haven't got time to do that in schools. It's so busy because we're going to test them at the end of the year on how many of those sounds they've learned, not how well they can, you know, how well they can do it. So mm. I think it's about giving it time, and our system, our education system, doesn't give teachers enough time to teach spelling no. and to teach phonics properly and to teach reading and all the other things you need to know about the Stone Age. So. I know, and it's really, and it's certainly interesting because I, um, as much, I'm in international school, but we use English, the English curriculum with kind of bits borrowed from it as a mishmash, but it's English curriculum. And so I, yeah, kind of teaching it in the context that I am now, um, where, you know, large parts of it are absolutely irrelevant to the, the group of children that I have. It's really interesting to sort of see just how how badly it's put together certainly um in respect to things like um uh spelling punctuation grammar reading all of these things and as you say there is the 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 time given is is so ridiculous and is very apparent that and again another thing that i rant there's a lot of rants coming out this evening as i knew they would but the the curriculum that was put together by people who we are well aware have not set foot in classes for a long time we've been stuck with it since 2013 2014 um which actually just predates my career and the fact that you know nothing much has really changed in in that you know in 10 years is horrifying particularly in the wake of covid and everything else i always like to get a covid reference into as many shows as possible but that's true we had so much of an opportunity to look at things differently and in large part we haven't and so it's it's scary to me that something as fundamental as what we're talking about this evening is in part glossed over as well and i will tell you a secret as well i actually have a printed year three four spelling list on my english 
working wall in my classroom. Have I referred to it once this year? Have I hell? It's there. I can picture exactly where it is on the wall. I have never referred to it. It's it's wallpaper, which is absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. But as you say, I mean, uh, unless I'm actually finding an excuse to drop these words into whatever I'm doing, I may have accidentally done it in kind of modelled examples of things, but I couldn't tell you which ones. I couldn't even tell you. I actually couldn't confidently tell you a single word that's on that list, which is terrible as well. So there you go. I don't know what that Potatoes. Potatoes is on there, I think. Is it actually? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Potatoes, uh, and then, it, then it progresses to vegetables in year five, six, if I'm right. <laughs> Something like that. Year, my favourite year one one is astronaut. Astronauts in the year one list. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. Um, yacht. Where's yacht? Yacht's on the Yacht, yes, five, six. Sure, my, my etymology fact that I like for yacht is that it comes from the Dutch, German, yachter, which means a pirate or hunter which is what you don't tell the kids is it's also the origin for jägermeister is master hunter so. <laughs> <laughs> oh i love that we've gone from yeah talking about talking about little kids learning to bring in jägermeister which is revolting by the way mm. but, uh, etymology everywhere i'm assuming martin you have not used that reference in a classroom context maybe in the staff room but <laughs> <laughs> um, no i was gonna say uh, you Stuff yeah, well, that's it. Christmas quiz. There you go. You yeah, can use that's it then. It. That's it. You were saying about uh, so international, and it's something that um, I think has been a real privilege and and fascinating um, in our little journey, going to different places and and having the opportunity to look into different curricula, different systems, but also actual actual real classrooms in in different countries. And some of the things that you look at, you kind of you get a much broader sort of idea of like, well, what works and what's what doesn't and what's particular to our system or someone else's system and 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 I mean the one thing that really struck me um I went into a um a, it was a high school in a township in uh in in Cape Town in South Africa and um and I walked in and there were 50 kids one teacher a blackboard no no light um and it was a little bit intimidating I have to say and the kids were absolutely lovely there was a bit of banter there was a relationship that you could see with the teacher and the children. And there was this universality of like, it's just a classroom. Every classroom, there is that stuff that's the same. But then looking at the curriculum, you know, you sort of, you, you say, you see the stuff which there's there's the same ways that you can chop up English. There's the, there's the things that kind of don't maybe matter so much. And there's great, you know, everywhere you go, there's great stuff to learn. Uh, American classrooms, South African classroom, British classrooms, Spanish classrooms, you know, wherever you go, there's, there's great stuff. And I think it's a real shame that more of that doesn't get shared and just, you know, simple practice, simple routines that um, really effective ideas that um, I think we're, we're richer for sharing that and, and, you know, learning from each other. Mm. And I certainly think, and um, this is something else I've talked about with other international colleagues, uh, and I don't know if this is true everywhere, but I often feel that we as international schools are almost a little bit behind in in the sense because I mean the the reason I'm able to keep up with things in in the UK and kind of the goings on and the change there is largely actually through Teachers Talk Radio and through the kind of things I do there because many of my colleagues from Teachers Talk Radio are based in the UK and so I read UK news all of that so I kind of I'm aware but I think other people are sort of not necessarily deliberately but kind of a bit more sort of checked out of things and so we're not necessarily moving forward and the curriculum innovation isn't necessarily there or the awareness of things like ed shed and spelling shed people don't just they're not kind of quite as it sounds terrible and sort of 
badly phrased, but are not as maybe with it in terms of, of, of all these things. And I know that, for example, the the tech side of it freaks a lot of a lot of teachers out, even the ones who aren't and again, I'm dropping myself in it here, but aren't of a of a certain age. I even have um a, a very good friend of mine, she's actually an, an ex-colleague, but kind of comes and does sort of supply work in school. She sort of says to me, you know, Lucy, you're the techie one. I'm not, for the record, but of the two of us, I am. And she said, you know, all these apps and things, you know, could I ever go kind of go back into a school and uh, and teach? I'm like, yeah, you could, because you could be taught how to use these things. You can understand how to use them. And actually, looking at Spelling Shed, it's, it's, very, it's very intuitive. And actually, with these kids of today, they're teaching you how to use this stuff. Let's be honest. They're the ones leading the way. Often, I've found you give uh, kids iPads for certain things, and they're like, actually, miss, you do it like this. Or actually, you know, I don't need your help. I can, you know, I've, I've figured it out. And you're like, all right, then. Great. <laughs> Crack on. I think it's the yeah, it's their it's their lack of fear of breaking things because they haven't got to pay for it, have they? So they just press stuff, and you know, you, <laughs> most things most things are robust enough that actually that's fine. Um, but but we have the fear, don't we? What if I delete it, or or what if I do something wrong? So they don't have that, do they? I'm going to cut in here, gents, and say hi. Um, I have been here the whole time, um, but I wanted to. We've had a comment there, a question from somebody, um, Adriana. She says. And, and I'm sure Lucy can pick up the conversation in a minute, but this question is just strategies and examples to support SEND students, particularly those with cognitive impairment. Um, now, I know you've got lots of free and sub resources on Spelling Shed, so I wonder whether you could just sort of briefly highlight where people like Adriana could look on Spelling Shed. Okay, I think, so let's start with, so a simple strategy in a way, the strategy which is universal, which is quality first teaching, I suppose, is being systematic and explicit. And I think you do obviously have to go at the pace of children, but making it clear what it is that they're supposed to understand. Um, I mean, there's some slight, you know, modifications that we quite often tell people if you have uh, you're teaching a skill and you have a list of words, you can sometimes, you, you don't, you, all you need to know is that they know that particular week's pattern. So if you've got words that are a bit more complex, that are challenging because they've got multiple different um, sort of spelling patterns embedded, you can sort of jettison those and have a simpler word list of say four or five simpler words, as long as you're practicing that specific skill. Um, and then, I mean, it's really hard because every child's their own person and has their own sort of challenges and so um it, it does just come down to rigor and and pace and assessment and the other thing which uh, uh, rob rob said a, a thing about phonics and, and something that you do have this pace in phonics but actually something that is a feature of phonics that i think is really helpful is the the refresh thing at the beginning of a lesson where you run through the flashcards and you you know you you keep that kind of learning active and so you're adding to a pool rather than moving on and I think it's important to keep revisiting as much of the prior learning as you can. And then constantly, you know, when you do find that something hasn't quite stuck, that revisiting and refreshing, I think that's, you know, what you're trying to do is expand a kind of knowledge set. And so, you know, navigating it in a explicit, deliberate fashion, but also thinking in terms of growth rather than progression, I think is, is sort of the generic way to do it. But then obviously, you know, I mean, I think a lot of, I mean, actual specific things, I think very often the biggest or most prevalent challenge for children who particularly who is the ones who can't decode and they get to year six and they can't segment and blend. 
and it's a speech and language issue bef- really above everything else and it's if they can't or a hearing issue very really often like if they can't hear and speak words um they they really don't have the the first sort of tier of tools to then go on and spell because there's a there's a building block further back and i think it's you know going back until you find actually what is that roadblock uh dealing with the you know whether it's visual processing or as i say speech and language or or hearing or, or just oracy i mean oracy is you, you know if you can't speak it how are you going to spell it um so i think that's that's the sort of general strategy of you know finding what's the barrier and then systematically working your way through it and i think something that Lots of schools do with those children is once they get to key stage two, they say, oh, phonics hasn't worked. What can we do instead? And they get rid of phonics. But phonics is the thing that's going to help them, I think. Because I think what we do is we say, oh, let's try a different method. Let's just get them to memorise words. Let's go back to flashcards like we did when I was a kid and had a golden Virginia tin with my flashcards in. And that works. And you get immediate effect from that because children can remember the words. They might remember 10, they might remember 20, 40, 50, 1,000 words, 2,000 words even. And it looks like they've achieved. But then once you get past those 2,000 words in year five and six, they're still struggling because they can't remember any more after they've learned those 2,000 or they've started forgetting some of those words. So we really do need to persevere with these strategies in year three, in year four, five and six. Um, looking at phonics, continuing with phonics and building on that foundation. It's almost well, like you're spending thousands of pounds on superb concrete foundations for your house and you, you know, you spe- you've run out of money and then you just put a shed on top. You need to ca- you would carry on building. Yeah, carry on going. Well, interesting you should say that. Um, Tom Hopkins-Burke, um, one of my uh, esteemed colleagues, is actually uh, doing a show tomorrow about phonics in secondary school, which will be, or part of his show tomorrow, will be a really interesting listen, uh, which I'm very intrigued to listen to, because we, as you have rightly said, we kind of, it's sort of, we throw the kitchen sink at it in, in primary school, or at the very least try to, and then uh, sort of in secondary school, you know, there's, there are kids going into secondary school who are still struggling with fundamentals for whatever reason that is, be it um, to do with additional need, be it to do with, well, anything, illness, whatever it is, you know, it it should never just stop because it's, uh, you know, because we're, we're moving on in... Um, in the timeline, in the education timeline. Um, admin Hannah has been very patiently sitting with her hand up. Hannah, what piqued your interest there? What did you want to say? Uh, I, my son is the child that Martin was talking about because my son is partially deaf and has okay. a speech delay and has been going to an SRB unit. He's now in year two and at that point where he's about to leave, but he really struggles with transferring his spelling because he's not quite pronouncing everything and he is that little bit further behind but for me, I was like, how do I increase his pace to be able to catch up with everyone else um, is my worry. And especially when he loses that SRB support next year, that he doesn't get even further behind. I think the 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 temptation is you want to kind of go fast, but actually going slow is the way to go fast. Because if you don't have that foundation, it's you're just not, you know, you, you, you're not going to be able to progress because you haven't got the starting point. I think I mean, my son actually is... I feel old. He's twenty this year, which boggles my mind a little bit. But he um, he had uh, uh, hearing problems when he was sort of year one, year two, and he was like almost going to have grommets, but didn't. And you can see, you know, I see now the sort of the impact that that had on him for the whole of his primary career. And he, I mean, he he worked very hard in uh, secondary school to then not do an exam because of COVID, 
um, which he's a bit gutted about still because he wanted to show what he could do. And I just say, take take your pass. You got it. It's fine. But but I mean, you could see that it's it, you know the the impact of just as you say, not being able to hear and not being able to um, kind of hit, find the subunits that you're working with. It, you know, it's a it's such a barrier. But you're not going to be able to progress until you have that uh, that in place. So I think dealing with the the you know the the speech, uh, you know, speaking and listening, um, oracy, phonics stuff. Then generally, what happens is developmentally, children are a bit older, and that uh, you, you know um, they catch up quickly when they've got that foundation. But I think that's it's really important to have the the toolkit to start from. Otherwise, you, you know, it's just it, it's really hard to kind of um, layer up the next the next steps. Fantastic. Um, HB's ears were clearly burning. Um, Tom. Hello, were you... I just came to plug my show for tomorrow. Oh, I was way ahead of you. Did you... I don't know if you heard... heard yeah, no, I did. I heard you mention it and I thought, fantastic. Yes, I've got Adam Levick, who is a teacher of reading, um, a former primary teacher who this September has stepped up to work at the secondary. So working with students who have gone from Key Stage 2 to Key Stage 3 who are still struggling with early reading. And I've also got Charlie Duckett, who um, does that as well. So, um, yeah, re really enjoying the show. And, yeah... Um, looking forward to listening to him doing my marking at the moment so i'm now going to disappear before i get um, a clip around the year from tom rogers <laughs> <laughs> nothing like nothing like um using um a fellow host show to plug your own show but you know we share the love on teachers talk radio this is what we do it's a very you know we all kind of like to like to help each other out and wind each other up and drop each other in it and clearly you know it's we we all really like each other honestly it's uh um, so, Raj, don't tell him off too much. And it was relevant. It was relevant. So that's fine. Um, I've now completely lost my train of thought again. So let's try and get back on back on track here. Rob and Martin, you have to understand that my my shows are a little bit chaotic, but we get there in the end. It's all part of the fun. So we will press on. Um, what I wanted to kind of talk to you about next, and I realise we've kind of darted about a bit, so if anyone wants to come back to anything at any point, please do um, request to speak, please do share your questions, please do tweet them. Uh, this is not just a conversation between us, it's a conversation between everybody. So if, ha if anything of, over the course of this evening has piqued your interest, or if indeed you want to ask our lovely guests a question, please do feel free to, uh, and we can connect you up and you can ask away. Um, and even if it's something that we've mentioned previously, because we love we love a tangent. We love a tangent. My current tangent was going to be to move on to talk a little bit more about gamification, because this is something that, um, and again, other teachers, you can kind of jump in here and say what you think. I am an R with gamification, because on the one hand, I'm kind of uh, the sort of, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. These kids love a game, as we've established. Uh, they like, the, that's what engages them, you know, if it kind of gives them points, coins, whatever it is, if it goes whiz bang. It holds their attention. Cracking. Brilliant. On the other hand, I'm kind of like, well, you know, that we still have to be able to teach and hold their attention in ways that don't necessarily involve a screen or involve us being kind of entertainment officers or kind of standing on our head and playing the violin or whatever it is. So I kind of I go between because on the one hand, I look at something like Spelling Shed and I'm like, this is kind of the answer to to me kind of almost and this is going to sound terrible partly as a get out of jail free card because it kind of does my job for me in a way but on the other side of that am i am i you know i still need to supplement this i still need to use it in context i can't just be like right spelling sheds the answer and off i go so i just kind of wonder where where you sit with this now obviously 
I, you're very pro all these things. But do you think there is a, a, a balance to be struck here between using something like Spelling Shed and feeding that in and using that as part of a wider curriculum? OK. Um, another big question, isn't it? Um, it is. <laughs> so let's, let's start. So you, OK, so if you think about... Um, sort of how we learn and I mean sort of gamification as a, as a as a little buzzword I mean what what they're doing is playing and if I get given a new gadget what I in instantly say is I'm going to have a play with it and I'll figure it out and because I'm quite confident with tech I've done it for enough years but but I play with it if you look at young children in you know certainly early years their whole curriculum in early years really is based around play and but that's just how they're exploring and discovering and interacting with the world and that's that's absolutely appropriate and you know the, this whole packed curriculum means that we're really short on time and so in a way the play gets kind of pushed out but actually I mean that was you, you open the door for COVID uh, in COVID something that I thought was really interesting in my school so I'm chair of governors at a, a primary school which I've been I think I'm in my 13th year and my third head teacher um just beauty primary school so Hi, Beadley. Um, and um, in COVID, one period in COVID, there were the year the year ones went back and the year twos didn't. And what was interesting, we had half a half a year one class, but no curriculum, which was a bit weird. And everyone just kind of was like, well, what do we do? Because we've got to have these kids. And they were the key workers kids, I think, if I remember rightly. And um, and what happened was something very much like an early years curriculum where everyone and the, the old you know other children came back that were key workers kids that were other, other other ages but everybody basically did this sort of investigative exploratory exploratory project-based uh kind of thing because they were sort of they had that freedom and it just felt like the intuitive thing to do with a smallish group and no particular pressure and and and, and i think that's something that does kind of get lost in the pressures of the curriculum i think um if you um, think sort of think about we're going back to brains and ner nerdy stuff, but you know when when you learn something, your your brain uses some sugar to um, change how your brain's wired, and that's there's an evolutionary reason for that because you know brains evolved so that you can not get eaten by something. Um, that that's you know that's part of its function is to keep us alive and um, avoid bears and and, and whatever. Um, and so the, the sort of the experiences that you have when you're learning stuff, what you know, what your brain does is it judges whether it has value um, by whatever means. And obviously that's come from a, a sort of a survival thing. But I mean, obviously, we've well, hopefully we've mostly moved on um, bears at least. Um, but <laughs> oh, I don't but... know. I don't know. It's a scary world out there. Mark. Well, that's I, it. But I... but then but then. So what so what we have is this like dopamine hit, which is the the kind of like the thing which Facebook exploits and, and Twitter exploits and that thing when, you know, or just someone pays you a compliment and, and it, and it feels good. And, um, you know, and you can, and, and people, you know, technology products particularly manipulate that, uh, for engagement so that you watch adverts and which is why Facebook's so addictive and they just do it brilliantly, but it's in purely in, intentional, you know, what we, I suppose what spelling shed does and what, you know, a lot of these sort of tech products is kind of harness that, um, kind of interaction and you know if you're going to be on a screen doing something let's use this stuff to engage you in the thing that we want you to to learn you know and so it's it's a it's again it's a it's a tool even non-tech you know if you 
the thing where um, you ask the question, but you don't say the kid's name right until the end or you do a lollipop stick. That's gamification. You know, you're you're adding some jeopardy spelt correctly now because I do spell check. Um, <laughs> this is, this and, is your hill to die on, isn't it? Yeah, you're, you're never going to get past it. Well, but yeah, I mean, and, and to be fair, in the tech team, we're, we're, we're women designing games. Something that we sort of talk about the kind of what makes a what makes a game fun is a really nebulous kind of idea, and part of that is jeopardy. You know, you have to have something to lose. There has to be something which there's a bit of a you know a bit of tension or a bit of a surprise or you know and and that sort of that's what makes it feel compelling when something seems easy but actually is quite hard like flappy bird is a great example of a a game which it seems so easy yet it really wasn't (laughs) and and that's you know and 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 i think that's where there's a real craft which you know we we i mean we have i think 2.2 million kids a month play spelling shed um which blows my mind but so obviously done some of that relatively well. Um, but it's, you know, it, what we're doing is kind of harnessing psychology. And it's the psychology of um, what's interesting, what's relevant, um, and and uh, what makes you feel good. And, part, and another part of that is nobody likes to fail. Um, and and so like that thing which I said at the start about having the game so that you, you succeed with maybe more or less help or to a greater degree, or you get a bigger score or an even bigger score, but you still get a score. You've still, you've still succeeded. Um, and so it feels safe. And so, you know, you're not, you're not failing. Uh, you're just trying to progress and you feel safe. Um, those things, those things really matter. And that's, you know, some other stuff, I suppose about like ki- um, people, um, not just kids, um, tend to um, want to close loops. So having unfinished things, it's like getting rid of the red spots on my phone. It really bothers me when I've got red spots on my phone and I have to get rid of them. And then, and again, the, you know, apps know that. So they give you, you, you leave Facebook and a notification comes up just as you leave. And it's deliberate because people people like to close loops. Um, and the thing that kids and, and, and uh, you know, older kids, older people, um, us adults have as well, the, the, the tendency to, people tend to either be competitive or they tend to like to curate things and have control. And so things like we've got our little avatars, which is really, you know, common, you know, in lots of our products that, but it's a, it's a little, it's just a little motivating driver. And I say, it's just all these little tools. Actually, what you're doing is you're just engaging people in a way that gives them relevance for whatever it is that you're, you're aiming at them. Can I just jump in, Martin, there? Sorry. Um, and what we do as a, what we've done as a conscious decision is that the playing is all about the spelling or is all about yep. grammar in our new grammar games. What we don't do is children climb through a cave or up a tree or they fight a dragon and then they spell a word. And then they go and fight a knight and swim across the ocean and then spell a word. It's, in Spelling Shed, you, you spell words 10, 20, 30, 40 words in 10, 15 yep. seconds. It's not about, it's not gamification for gamification's sake. Some games, I've seen spelling games, you have to hit a bullseye on a dartboard, then you get to spell a word. And then you get to, it's, hitting a bullseye has got nothing to do with spelling. You know, that is literally just about playing a game for the sake of it to engage the pupils in the game. And then they might spell a word every now and again. Mm-hmm. Whereas with spelling, the, the game is the spelling. Spelling is yeah. the game. And I, I, think think that's, I think that's really interesting because, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's sort of getting rid of the gump, isn't it? Because I think a lot of the time, 
um, the these these games and things are so it's almost been overshot in the sense that the the sort of the original purpose is lost through all the kind of lovely other stuff and you know the actual you know the thought that's gone into that the design the creation whatever fab but it's it's missing the actual point and um, with um, you know Martin talking about the cycle it's really scratching a good part of my brain there so I'm 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 lo- I'm loving that we're getting into the nitty gritty this is great um, it's you know, what this boils down to is. The, the purpose and what we need children to do on the back of this is learn to learn to spell that that is ultimately the point with the enjoyment factor of course being part of that but it's it's kind of the idea is not to distract them because, because I mean I'm so easily distracted I'm so easily like you know it you but I think from what you're saying here what my understanding is, is you can still get that dopamine hit that kind of woohoo without the the fluff or the gump whatever you want to call it because you've still got the game aspects just without the kind of the the distracting elements. So, so, so I suppose it's I even wrote down before I started my spiel about brains um, that you should never apologise for learning, and that's sort of another of those little principles. I mean, it's not just you know obviously our product, as Rob says, you know you're playing with the with the content, not kind of as a consequence of uh, sorry you've sorry you've got to do some spelling. Have a little game, and then we'll do some spelling, and then we'll let you have another game. That. That is that that what you're implicitly saying is that actually that this thing doesn't really have as much value as it should do. And and mm. part of that, I think, comes from the fact that when you're a child and you see something from the new t- for the first time and it's novel, it's different than when you've done it for a thousand times as an adult. But, you know, and children, they, they spend their their little learning machines. They, they go to school, they cram their brains full of stuff all day long. It's what them, you know, it's, it's how they work. And that you should never be apologetic for that, I think. But I think a good educational game is playing with the education, not in, you know, around it or instead of it. Mm. Um, I've just got um, uh, Hannah in the, in the background. She's, um, she's just mentioned, she wanted to know now, obviously spelling shed, we know it being used uh, in schools, in school contexts, but um, are parents able to use this at home? Is the, is the access available um, to, to parents at home, even if their schools aren't using it, for example? Yep, there's uh, so the app's just on the app store, so um, you can just get it d- directly. Um, and uh, we actually, I found, I, I was looking at our data today, and we actually have more parent accounts than single teacher subscriptions. Uh, oh wow! Schools, is, schools is our biggest uh, cohort, if you like. Um, and and you know whether it's a teacher or a school that's the the sort of subscriber, I suppose. Hopefully, it evolves. But actually, we've got yeah quite a lot of uh, teacher accounts, and we've got a a little um, subscription plan that that suits those you know, households and homeschoolers and or just, you know, families that are trying to supplement. And why do you think there's um, been such a such a growth in that? Do you think it's because maybe more people are homeschooling or because um, parents are just actually more interested in looking for resources to use at home? Or is this something that was sort of seen maybe in the wake of COVID? Or do you what's your sort of thoughts or do you have the statistics? I, on think, that? I think, I think maybe sorry. I think maybe that parents see the children texting and then think Oh, my children can't spell. <laughs> because if I went on, my, my oldest is 14. Sorry, I shouldn't have found that as funny as I did. I, my oldest is 14, and if I if I went on how he spelled off by the text he sent to me, I think he I think he um, would need to stay in the new extra spelling. But actually, he can spell. I, I just don't get to see his school books very often. I think uh, if you look at our app sales they they really follow the school year and i think a lot of app sales are um parents who 
they're trying to support their child for a school that has our products so then there's that so it's sort of separating what is you know and it, you know what is just a um, an independent sort of user and what is kind of because of a school but the thing one thing we do get quite a lot as a, in support is parents who are, who say sort of like uh, my my child's school has this that or the other product um can we plug the words in um and you, you can so it's you know we we've um we, we sort of tried to make everything kind of unbundleable so you can just use it whatever it's you know classrooms are different so you can take it apart and put it back together again obviously we've designed the thing that we think works all together but you, you know and i think that's where a lot will have a either just use our thing directly because they want their kids to learn and they you know for whatever reason either they're homeschool or they're they're dissatisfied or whatever or they're more often i think it's actually you know a school foolishly doesn't have spelling shed and they're trying to <laughs> trying to help <laughs> Well, I'm, I'll be paying a visit to um, my head teacher tomorrow, and I'll, I'll, I'll see what I what I can do. I know that um, one of my colleagues used it last year. He sort of sounds awful, but uh, he went he went rogue, shall we shall we say, and sort of tested it out. And he absolutely loved it, and I think maybe tried to get it uh, rolled out. But uh, I actually plugged this show in my um, we have we one of those schools who unfortunately has Google Chat. So I uh, very much plugged this show in my in my Google Chat today, which he will have seen. So. Um, uh, also, he may well be listening in, in which case, uh, hello. <laughs> and if you are listening, can we get a spelling shed, please? Uh, I don't know how he'll feel about that. We'll, we'll see. We'll see when I wander in at, at eight o'clock tomorrow morning, whether he's uh, listened to this and um, is in a giving mood or not. But um, no, it's really interesting to um, to know that there's so many uh, uh, parent accounts. But also just going back to the layout, because I know you say people can kind of dip in and out and use bits and pieces. But from what I see, the way it's designed, it's 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 very intuitive and very easy to follow. And it's clear that a lot of thought has gone into how each stage works, because you call them stages, don't you? And uh, how each one kind of develops and, and connects together. And uh, what's good about it, because um, sort of going back to kind of earlier in the show when we talked about you know, the, the idea that, uh, you know, teaching spelling, kind of where to put it in, all the rest of it is, is difficult. And you know, some teachers like me kind of maybe sort of try and fight against it. Don't don't come after me. Don't come at me. But uh, it's when you've got something that is so well designed and so um, easy to use from the teacher side as well, because I think that's an aspect that's important, too, because, yes, you can give kids something and they can kind of as you say, play, explore, kind of work their way through it, they can figure it out. But if as a teacher, you're finding it easy to follow, to connect it, to make it part of your wider curriculum, that's also crucial too. Because um, as we've said, you know, with uh, a lot of tech coming into use with all these things, I think some people are a bit kind of freaked out because there's so much out there now that, that you can use. It's kind of, oh, you know, how do I use this? How do I kind of do that? But what I liked when I was exploring the website is that that it is easy to follow. It is intuitive. It is there and 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 ready for you you don't kind of need to you know you can kind of go through it and be like okay I can see I can see the journey for my class at this particular time I can kind of see what's going to happen and see how they're going to go through and kind of how I can assess and all the rest of it so in that sense I think it's you know it can be used you know being used as is 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 great well, thank you for saying so <laughs> <laughs> so I, know, I thought you were going to carry on there, but uh, I'm just, I'm sort of. But 
just going back, just touching on this um, this gamification aspect still as well. I mean, sort of going forward in terms of the development, and I suppose this is more of kind of really an edge shed question, I guess, more than a, a spelling shed question. Where do you see the sort of the, the further development? I mean, are there plans to kind of take things further, to expand uh, on things? What's kind of the, the sort of the next steps for you here? I suppose okay. it's interesting so, to know. Okay, so... Um... There's a list of things that I wanted to launch last September, which we're nearly quite there, nearly there. Um, there's three particular things which are sort of either almost done imminently or or coming very soon. One is the mo- by sort of um, you know launch order. I suppose the first thing which is launching, which tech tells me is tomorrow, is a thing Ooh. called Mastery Zone, and what that does, I mean, it does particularly um, help sort of parent and sort of independent um child users is it does a little kind of ai leveling thing that says like a little diagnostic works out what level approximately a child's working at and then it moves them forward but it also tries to it sort of probes the uh, the prior learning that they should have and tries to find and fill gaps actively so it's a kind of like auto drive spelling thing so um if you particularly older children that had you know covid everyone's got gaps so so the idea is that it can sit in the background and it can do that thing of keeping knowledge active but also seek out and report on where there are particular sort of bits of an understanding that they don't have and whether they're it's just a case of a bit more practice will remind them or actually teachers need to go and do interventions that's obviously the you know the teacher's decision based on the data so that's uh that's far more complicated than I envisaged it would be, uh, which is why it's took six months longer than I thought it would. Um, that should be launching tomorrow about three o'clock or so. Super cool. So Tech tell me. So we're kind of right. So we're kind of getting almost sort of the, the I mean, I'm sure you've been plugging this for, for a while. So it's not exactly a kind of cheeky, sneaky update that, that we're privileged enough to get. But it does feel a bit like that. So that's really cool. Well, that's it. So that's that's it tomorrow. And it was, I was, it, it, yeah, the thing that delayed it, to be fair, was um, there's a chart on there and we just decided it was a bit too complicated for younger children. So we've sort of simplified the metric that the kids get given. That was, I, did, you, it, I didn't yeah, understand yeah, it. Rob, yeah, Rob didn't understand it. So we made it simpler. Um, so I, I screened it in my, in my school with the year sixes and year twos. The kids did largely understand it. But um, <laughs> nothing, but, nothing uh, like yeah. colleagues dropping each other in it live on air. Yeah. We, we're, this but uh, so you see, you two have started doing it now. We were doing it. TCR colleagues were doing it well, earlier. Now it. you two are doing it. But that's it. But and I think it's you know it's it's um, what it's ended up is a bit like if you use things like accelerated reader where you have the ZPD. I did consider calling it a shed PD, but I thought it was a bit too contrived. So we've got a mastery level, which is your sort of stage equivalent um place and so but i said you'll that, that'll come out tomorrow so uh we'll with there's a there'll, there'll be marketing about that obviously when it's actually available yeah. um the next thing which is coming out is a bit more dull from a whizzy tech point of view but it's really it's hopefully really useful for teachers which is just better assessments and diagnostics so end of um end of term uh assessments which give a sort of report on how well has the learning stuck? And again, what sort of interventions might you want to do? Who's who, Which kids have missed which things? Um, so just sort of data, rigor in the data. Um, and then the third thing, which we haven't really talked about, I don't think, is we've basically made a whole load of um, grammar and punctuation games, uh, anything called Grammar Arcade. So it will be bundled in with Spelling Shed. And what that gives you is like a specific game for parenthesis, a specific game for firing a comma into a sentence, 
all sorts of stuff like that, um, which the game has mostly exist. What we're doing is working through all the content. There's like 100, and, you did the spreadsheet, Rob, didn't you? There's 100 and something learning points, yeah. aren't there? So, and there's yeah, no, and, and it would be completely free to Spellichard users. We're not adding any cost on. Yeah, that's all of those. Well, all of these are, are free if you've got um, a Spanish subscription. So, and they're, they're oh, that's so Grammar brilliant. Arcade. That's well, that's well worth. You need to say that louder. That's well worth well, that's saying. It. Well worth saying. Halfway, halfway through saying that, I wasn't sure then. I said it, and then that's why I said it quite quietly. I started saying it, and then thought, oh. Oh yeah, we are. Well, Robert, Robert's that's out it. there now, so you, you can't you can't increase your prices. Yeah. Sorry. True. <laughs> that's it. Well, we don't normally plug anything. We used to plug things and say "Come in on Friday" something, and then it'd be come out two weeks later. And everyone used to complain, so now we just <laughs> say "Surprise!" We've made something new. Always yeah. the best way. Love a surprise. Yeah. Sorry, Martin. Carry on. We're cutting you. Well, that's it. So <laughs> no, so um, that at the moment, the, well, my, the the goal that I have, which is never you know, hard and fast. As Rob says, we've, we've learned and that's, you know, part of the journey of some, you know, some teachers going and making products that have gone crazy um, is how all this stuff works. And, and you know, we've learned that uh, there's a big difference between an estimate and a, and a you know, a, a deadline, I suppose. And so what we're hoping is that we can launch it before the summer holidays so schools can kind of get a preview. Uh, but I mean, it'll come out when it's ready, basically. Um, De definitely before September if I can if I can possibly help it be so but hopefully as you know it's the it's the the, the pack you've got you know the the s and, and then and then there's the rest of spag that we uh we've got teaching content we've, that we've had for ages but we've never had um sort of games for that so and hopefully the, the thing that was I I had a, a year four or five class and I seemed to spend the entire year all I taught was apostrophes and punctuating speech for a year and it's those sorts of things that if you get stuck on a certain concept, having a way to practice that specific um, learning thing in a in a in a sort of fun um, sort of a way, hopefully add some value. So that's the that's the that's the goal. And I think as well, sometimes I think I'd like to make this point that some people don't realise how small a company we are because we're we're so big and we're in 180 countries or whatever, and we get to fly around the world. Martin and I are off to Cape Town, Johannesburg next week, Martin, and I'm off to Cape Town in two weeks. Yeah. Most, a lot of these education companies have more staff for their math products than we have for all of our products. So we have math shed, phonics shed, quiz shed, spelling shed, literacy shed, and we have one team that does all of that stuff. And some companies just do phonics, have a bigger team than we've got to do all those different products. So um, I think Twinkle have got 1,040 staff and we've got 40, so sometimes things take a little longer to get out well if you need another one i'll come and work for you <laughs> i think i'm sold i want to come and work for you lot i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to harass you on linkedin after this and just be like please please have me <laughs> i'm not even kidding um so lots of exciting things to look forward to that's really really cool and uh, uh across the board as well and i also yeah it's important to note as well that yes you know yes we very much focused on on spelling shed this evening but there is of course phonics shed literacy shed quiz quiz shed did you say that wasn't on yep. my list yeah so quiz shed we made quiz shed this is all the, the little anecdotes that are coming up we made quiz shed because we originally math shed tech was just like arithmetic stuff and there's some there are just some things that you can't do in a kind of tech generated way so we needed a quiz then so we made it and we're like we've made a whole quiz product here why don't we just launch it so so we just made it available for free but essentially it exists for our own convenience for uh, the, the spag question sets and um the, the math shed question sets are all sort of built on that engine so 
but it's just a free tool like we've built it we might as well just let people do stuff so, Great. so you can make there. your own you can make your own quizzes on there yeah oh fab it because does I, it even I, does the, the video playing. quiz it's like the the video to his ed puzzle do a thing that there's there's that's in there it's free so I know what I'm doing tomorrow afternoon. That, that's that's brilliant. I did not know about that because yeah, I, I had I had all the others here in my um very detailed um chicken scratch notes here, but um I did not have that one. But I also I love I love the fact that you created it. We're just like we like this. I think other people will like it too. Have it, and that's... I think that's such a lovely thing. Martin it's, made um, um... Ma sorry Martin Martin made. Yeah. I say to Martin, could you make this? And he goes, oh, not sure. And then we have a chat about it. Martin made a, a piece of tech that is out there. It needs polishing, but it's there. You can use it. Where you scan children's writing, and then it tells you, it highlights which words are spelled incorrectly on the page. No way! But the thing is, that's made from my own. And that, and it's it's authentic. You know, my, my, my little soapbox, my hill that I'll die on, is when people, you know, from outside education, and there are, to be fair, there are some great companies. I don't want to be rude to people there are some great companies run by people who come from outside education but there are lots that people come and they go i'm going to do tech to education and they don't really understand the problem that they're trying to solve i spent hours highlighting uh, statutory words in year five and year four writing in that same class actually that i mentioned before and it, it just drove me absolutely potty and i had this thing i was like do you know what would have made my life so much better being able to just take a picture choose the list and then just save it because it just you lose the will to live after a point so that's that's in there what i would what i'd love to do with that which it's a it is a, it's a team capacity thing if we had another 20 software developers is to be able to expand it to look for like punctuation and um a bit more meaning and all that but at least for now you can scan it and you can find the words in there and that's that's in, that's included with the spanish head license as well it's just sort of in there and you can build up like a moderation folder and uh, that sort of thing so I mean, so the, and I think it's important to note, as you say, it's there are in order for all these things, um, sort of ed tech things, and again, it's it's evolving all the time. And there are lots of things out there, as we know, but you have to be addressing a problem. And I think that in all the things we've talked about, or address, not necessarily always a problem, addressing something that needs working on, that needs a bit of a nudge, a bit of support. Because I think, I mean, as we sort of said at the beginning of the show, certainly for me, and I'm sure for other primary teachers especially, that spelling puncture, it's always a bone of contention with the with the testing, with the SATs, with everything else. It's always, it's become a bit of that kind of, uh, part of, of education. And to have something in the mix that, that changes that, brightens that, makes it a bit more sunny and just is able to support teachers and pupils in such a lovely way, I think is, is so crucial. And it's, it's a testament to, to what you've created. And uh, I certainly have uh, really sort of changed my, my tune over the course of this evening. I mean, I'm not saying I came into this show negatively because I absolutely didn't, but I, uh, you know, have cynicism towards sort of, yeah, grammar and spelling teaching and all the rest of it. And so to be able to have the privilege to explore spelling shed and to kind of um, unpick some of my own sort of misconceptions and things as well has been really, really great. And I hope that on the back of this show, other people do the same thing. Other people who maybe are in in my shoes and uh, need a bit of a shove in a in a positive direction can go and uh, and explore all the tools for, for all the different things, be it be it maths, be it phonics, be it spelling, etc. So um, you've uh, you've certainly uh, brightened uh, my evening and given me a lot to, to think about this evening. So I I'm enormously grateful to to the two of you uh, for for just that. Um, but 
coming to the end now, and I, we, we, you've answered my question in the terms of kind of the, the next steps. And Martin, I'm sure your brain is, you seem to strike me as that person that has the brain that's constantly kind of looking, okay, next thing, you know, what, what am I going to do next? I've kind of, where, where am I going to go with, with this, that, and the other? So, I mean, wow. I, uh, and the idea that uh, you're developing or have developed a tool that can kind of scan children's work and that, you know, that could maybe go further in the future is, is phenomenal. And uh, I hope I look forward to seeing kind of more, more of that stuff. Um, it has been an absolute privilege to have the two of you this evening and to answer my very convoluted uh, and round the houses questions. Um, so I do appreciate both of you for kind of bearing with that and answering so beautifully as well. Um, just before we go, where where can we find you in terms of uh, links, websites, uh, Twitters, LinkedIn's, etc.? So uh, we're so edshed.com, spelling shed, basically somethingshed.com. We'll probably find something related to us. Um, uh, edshed, lit shed. Yeah, but not, garden, shed. but not garden shed. Not yet. Uh, um, I'm, <laughs> that was a terrible I'm, joke, I'm sorry. I'm Reggie Rob on Twitter. R-E-D-G-I-E, Reggie Rob. Um, it's an old school nickname, but... Um, and then uh, I can see yeah. Spelling Shed are actually in um, in the space at the moment, so they're, they're just at Spelling Shed, aren't they? Yeah. We've got um, that. Uh, yep. You're all over LinkedIn as well, I know, because I've been um, tagging you in things uh, all week. So pretty much very easy to find. And I suppose if we Google you as well, it's easily done. Yep, yeah, we're, we're, well, we're out there. And um, the other, I suppose the place where I think we're active, there's a, I know it's a different platform, but there's uh, some Facebook groups, which are quite big, which we, um, people seem to use as like a proxy customer support thing, which is that the, there's this five, six official group, isn't there, that, that we tend to pop in and a few others that are like that, which is fine. And I think that's, you know, it's well, nice that we're able to do that. Yeah, you've got Education Shed, it's got a Facebook group, Spelling Shed, um, Lit Shed for Literacy Shed and Phonics Shed uh, as well. Um, um, you're all over Instagram as well. I've just realised that you're everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. Instagram. Yeah. yeah, Instagram, LinkedIn, all, all the platforms. That's it. So, credit, to, credit to Jasmine, our social media manager or marketing manager for, uh, for running all those accounts because we would never manage to do that. <laughs> oh, wow. yeah. Jasmine didn't tell me that this was audio only, so I went to barbers this afternoon. I've had a lovely haircut and I've had a wet shave and a hot towel. <laughs> oh, I thought it was being recorded. Well, next Coffee 30, time. Coffee 30 quid. Yeah. To be fair, last um, time I did a podcast and I prepared the wrong questions, so did a half hour podcast completely off the cuff. So, you know. Oh, we've we've all been there. We've all winged things in our lives, be it lessons, be it radio shows. And sometimes it is a roaring success and other times it is terrible. But that's just part of part of life, isn't it? But um Robbie, we do do a um a weekly review, which is um visual as well as audio on Sundays. So if ever you want to pop onto that, um having been to the barbers, you are free to do so um as a as a panel guest at some point. Um I um I regularly host that, and I'm going to confess something terrible now, where I've, um, my much like in COVID, um, my top half is kind of business, and I've still got my pyjama bottoms on. Um, and uh, Tom HB, if you're listening to this, that's absolutely not true. I just told a lie. So, you know, it can be, it can be done. You can do, you can still pull off the, the, the COVID look and uh, do it very successfully. Um, business on the top, party on the bottom. Absolutely. And llama slippers as well. I have fantastic llama slippers that... Um, 
are usually on my feet when I'm doing weekly review as well. So next time you watch that, you'll be aware that, uh, yes, I'm probably still wearing my pyjamas, at least on the bottom half. On that cheerful note, I am going to wish you all a very good evening. I'm going to say thank you once again to Rob and to Martin, who have been absolute stars this evening. Um, I do hope we'll talk to you again at some point. Uh, this show will be available as a podcast in the near future, in the next few days. Uh, won't it, Tom Rogers? He's nodding sagely in the background there. Um, uh, but it's also available to listen back on here for the next 30 days. Um, please do um, a reminder that Tom Hopkins Berkshire's show tomorrow, I can't even speak properly at this point, show tomorrow is um, at least in part addressing phonics in secondary school, so that'll be a nice follow-on from this one. Um, I'll be back at some point in March, I think in a couple of weeks' time, the dates are all over the place at the moment, um, with another show probably linked to um, my international school series that I started and then... Uh, had to abandon for various other reasons. So I think I'm going to start that up again. Um, have a lovely rest of the week, everybody. And I will talk to you all soon. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.